Hello, this is Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Chris Jericho of Fozzie, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, I'm Alan Clark from Dire Straits, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 465 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal rock, and blues talk on the net. Episode 465, we've got a jumbo dose for you. This time we have joining us from the band Dire Straits, we have Alan Clark, who's a keyboardist uh, through all of the big Dire Straits albums, uh, obviously uh, Brothers in Arms being the big one. We're going to talk about a show he is involved with coming to Jurgles at uh, the end of the month. We are also joined by uh, two two very funny men from uh, the show Cobra Kai. We have Dan Adut and Brett Ernst, who uh, will be joining us to talk about a comedy show. They'll actually be doing it at Jurgles as well on the 21st. And joining us for what has become somewhat of an annual tradition, uh, usually a little earlier in the year, uh, Damian Darlington of Brit Floyd will be joining us to talk about a show he's doing at Stage AE, so it'll be great to see them back. So we're gonna first we're going to talk to Alan Clark, who uh, was a keyboardist of the band, played on every album since Love Over Gold with uh, Dire Straits. Obviously, he and Mark Knopfler were kind of like the two of the longest-tenured people in the band. Also joining him in this... Uh, show uh to talk about uh, the dire straits legacy show is uh phil palmer uh, who played uh in the 90s in dire straits jack sonny who played from 85 to 88 including a track on brothers in arms uh is involved in this and then trevor horn who as a name you may recognize uh, was in the buggles you know, video killed the radio star played in yes played in art of noise uh steve ferroni on drums who has played with uh, literally everyone in music um the one that really jumped out to me i I don't know if you remember the album uh 24 nights by eric clapton he was a drummer on that album so uh just an amazing amazing musician and then also uh marco caviglia who was on lead vocals who was obviously honestly the guy who started the band and we'll talk to alan about that uh he was in a band called Solid Rock, which was one of the most popular Dire Straits tribute bands. Uh, and then Alan will tell you the story of how, uh, you know, he was kind of invited to, to play with Marco and got the ball rolling. Uh, and also, uh, last but not least, Premiano Biasi on keyboard. Uh, so that show is at the 31st at Jurgles, uh, Dire Straits Legacy. Tickets available now if you go to Jurgles' website, Jurgle Rhythm Grill in Warrendale. Uh, you can also go to druskyentertainment.com get tickets for that. Uh, also, Alan, I'd be remiss not to mention, has got a solo uh, piano album, which we talk about as well in the interview uh, that is coming out soon. Uh, so we're going to play a little bit of uh, Dire Straits, get into the interview with Alan Clark. 
being obviously a member of Dire Straits for so long, um, you know, you're one of basically two musicians that appeared on the bulk of the catalog. Um, was it something you were hesitant? I mean, how does it, you know, musicians such as yourself from the real band look at essentially he had spent many, many years in, in kind of a tribute band, uh, so to speak. Was that something that you, you had to kind of, was an issue for you? Did you, you give that any thought or was it just, hey, I want to get up and play these songs. I haven't had a chance to do this in 25 years. Um, a jump at the chance kind of thing. Um, I wasn't exactly gagging to, to, to play the songs again, but uh, just it was just, like I said, it was just a, just a crazy um, idea that mm-hmm. uh, John Elsley and I said, yeah, why not? Let's, let's give it a go. And we, and we enjoyed it, and um, it just took off from there, really. So, you know, there's, there's no ulterior motive or anything like that. We right. we just do it. We do it just because we like playing together, basically. Yeah, and and the re- the reaction from the crowds. I mean, uh, there's one thing you think about it. You know, when, when I think in the states, at Dire Straits obviously was certainly a different animal than that was in Europe. But I mean, you guys had easily one of the best-selling albums of the decade, and really in the pantheon of recorded music, one of the biggest-selling albums. But um, was was it? accepted pretty well from the fans like when you when you got out there and did these shows the first few times how was the energy from you know the the crowd the crowd loves it because they're hearing the songs and mm-hmm. played extremely well you know when you when you when you go when you hear a tribute band god bless them they 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 um they do a, do a good job but when it comes to when I hear my keyboard parts playing by anybody else, right. it's 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 kind of uh, never the same. It's lacking, and and this, so the same is true of of, of most mem- members of, of of tribute bands. So this is kind of more like the real thing, or it's as close to the real thing as you're going to get, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those things. You mentioned your keyboard parts, and I, I was listening to Brother in Arms um, earlier today, and I think of there are very few songs like Walk of Life where I can hear two notes, and oh, know what song that is? Probably one note if you really paused it quick enough. Um, that song I think was was such a you know integral part of music in the '80s, and I think of obviously. Um, Money for Nothing was such a big hit in the United States. But prior to that, I, I mean, you guys were maybe not quite superstars in the United States. But can you talk a little bit about what MTV did here on their 40, 40th birthday, more or less? The impact, you know, from a musician, what that was like. You know, did you guys anticipate it exploding the way it did? And how much of video, you know, can you attribute that to? Um. I think uh, when when Mark wrote um, um, "Money for Nothing," the intro, the whole intro section, which is uh, which is well, I, I want my MTV, mm-hmm. didn't exist during the rehearsal before we started recording. Before we went into the studio, we rehearsed for a few weeks. 
one time during a break in, I think it was the lunchtime, I sort of wandered back to the keyboards and because I started having an idea maybe for an intro, which I did quite frequently with Dire Straits. I sort of had these, conjured up these intros, outros and various other sections. Um, so I started messing around with um, with the words, I want my MTV, which interestingly had I believe it had been dropped at that stage, 1985. I think I think MTV had actually dropped that title soundbite. Um, but I, so I was referring back to when they first kind of started up. They were saying, "I want my MTV" sure. in the early 80s. So um, I started singing that, and um, over the over the first chord, which you hear. And I was I was actually singing this little melody. Uh, I want my MTV. I want my MTV. And that developed. So then the guys came back. Mark, I said, Hey, Mark, what do you think of this? And then I played the next chord and the next chord. Mm-hmm. And we modified the the um, the melody. We stripped it down to the first couple of notes, and pretty much. And that's what became the iconic intro of Money for Nothing. And of course, afterwards, we then realized that it was actually Sting's um, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Uh, we'd okay. actually, we'd sort of, we'd, we'd sort of um, uh, reverse engineered a melody that I started, and it ended up being Sting's melody, because we'd stripped it right down. And then by coincidence, Sting was happened to be on the island of Montserrat, which is where we recorded the record. So we invited them along to sing it, and then um, and he got credited for uh, <laughs> he got credited on the for uh, for having a co-write on on the on the record, which of course it, it is his melody, and he did sing it, but it didn't it didn't start out that way. Yeah, that, that's it's kind of a, a tough thing when you think about that. You know, I'm sure. You know, it's always the worst when you when you think of something musically, and then someone listens to it and said, "Hey, that's X Y Z or you know whatever song," um, yeah. and you're like, "Yeah, it is, but it was mine, but it isn't." But yeah, I, I certainly understand. Well, um, well, you can't argue because it, it definitely, and particularly when he's singing it, you know, it's kind of pretty much okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the best thing to do would be incorporate him in it, and it probably, I, you know, at least in the states. I mean, obviously, Sultans of Swing, you know, uh, was was a song that I think you know was getting some airplay. But when, you know, the police were so big that, you know, I think that element certainly, you know, when you listen to that song, you're like, oh, this stinks. Is a police song, and then you guys come in with, you know, just an absolutely brilliant guitar riff. Uh, I, I think one that maybe doesn't get the accolades that it deserves you know kind of in the pantheon of, of great guitar licks um but then the video i think really sealed the deal who who came up with that was that you know a record company you know film producer was, thing yeah yeah i think it was it was outside of the band um you know we, we were too busy doing other stuff yeah so uh so, yeah so someone i don't know who but um yeah it was good Interestingly, the, the 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 guitar lick you just mentioned. Hmm. Um, when when we first going right back to the rehearsals before we went into the studio, um, when Mark started first, when we started first playing that song, when Mark first played it to us, um, it was that that riff. He hadn't developed that riff to that point, mm-hmm. and it was quite different then. Um, 
but over the over the next few weeks and then even as we were in Montserrat in the in air studios um mark was still developing that lick and then one day he was messing around with it just by himself in the studio um uh, bef- I think before dinner, and then we had dinner, and then he went back in and and, and started playing it again. Now he'd he'd been messing around with a with a uh, a, a copycat uh, wow wow pedal, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't and he'd left it before dinner. He'd left it in in the half on half position, half half on half off position. So when he came back after dinner and started playing the lick again, suddenly the sound was amazing. The lick, he'd, he'd actually arrived at the lick by then. So we ended up putting it down to a click so that the lick that you hear on the record is was actually recorded entirely by itself. And then, the, and then we built the track up pretty much around that. So you were using some, you know, by today's standards, some maybe more normal uh, recording um, processes. Yeah, I think a lot kind of records of, yeah, are built that way now. But yeah. the reason we did it was because he never he struggled to regain that sound, and it took him a while to realise that it was because the wow wow pedal was half on half off and just the amp settings and everything. It took him a long time to actually recreate that sound. So um, it's just, that's why we recorded it there and then because it was so great that perhaps yeah. we'd never get it back again. Yeah, as, as a hack of a guitar player, I can attest to the fact that I can't get the lick played right, even just the notes, let alone the tone and the sound. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a smart move. Um, and it was, it was probably a relief for you, you know, as a musician, and I'm sure the rest of the band, to kind of stay out of the video business. Um, you know, when you think about I mean, it was good to have videos. Obviously, it was an incredible marketing tool. But I, you never talked to a musician who said, boy, I really enjoyed making the video. No, that was... That's never a quote you see. Um, Except so. for um, Gottlieb and Cream, Law Cream, and um, who, who's a mate of mine now. He, mm-hmm. he, he, they got into making videos big time yeah. in the early eighties. Yeah, so, I remember some of theirs. Uh, one of the, I'm trying to remember what song it was for, but it was like people morphing together. It was really cool. But um, yeah. do you guys? I, I know you, you, the band, you know, reformed in the nineties. Um, with, with some of the musicians that are on your lineup now, but I mean, is there ever a consideration to one-offs or anything, or is that kind of lines of communication with Mark closed at this point? When we broke up in, it was 1992, the last proper gig we played mm. was in Zaragoza, Spain in 1992. Um, I knew, I just knew that that would be the last gig Straits ever played. I mean, we did play at Johnny Osley's wedding which is kind of a stripped down four of us and uh, played at, at John Ilsley's wedding in his um, in a marquee outside, outside of his house but other than that um, that was it basically and, I, and I've always known it would never they would never get together because Mark pr- prior to the On Every Street record between Brothers and Arms and, and the On Every Street record Mark was doing film scores and mm-hmm. and uh and working towards making doing a solo career, so Dire Straits had got so big, basically. I mean, yeah. it was just ridiculous um, that uh, he decided that he was going to 
do his uh, a solo venture thereafter, which is you know exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's you 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 can't imagine taking Dire Straits to a higher level. So you know, at that point, maybe it does make sense to kind of step back musically and do maybe. Yeah. where your heart is taking you and you can't fault someone because I mean the last thing you want to do is be the band that's still sludging around playing the same 13 songs um, fighting with each other constantly you know uh, over who gets what publishing and stuff so I mean I certainly understand um, on the topic of solo albums you have um, by the, the at least the three singles I've been able to hear from backstory, your solo album coming out in September, an amazing collection of, of piano work. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, where those songs came from, and is this, was this a COVID record or things you've been working on for a period of time? It was um, a couple of years ago. Now it's difficult to judge time with last year. Last year is kind of a bit of a non-entity. It's kind of difficult to, you know, to, to, to look, but look back. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I got invited to um, the Milan Piano Festival, which is um, a weekend of, of a piano fest, basically, where they invite piano players from all around the world to several stages in Milan over a weekend. And um, so I initially said, no, I can't be bothered to do that, really. It's not my thing. But then I was persuaded to do it by my wife, essentially. And... Um, and once I got my head into it, I really enjoyed the process of, of playing solo piano, which is you know, something I do privately or sure. you know, occasionally. But it's not, it's not, it's never been a, something that I've kind of aspired to do. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, um, a, uh, an Italian record company who I'd worked with a couple of artists with, um, invited me to make a record and essentially they wanted me to play um obviously dive straight a few dive straight tunes tunes that i've been associated with recorded yeah. with various artists sure and so so um i initially said no i'm not doing that <laughs> but then when i was persuaded to do it again i'm, I'm basically a lazy person so i, I like to sort of keep my activities to a minimum really these days sure. but um so yeah so i was persuaded to do that and once i got my head into that it was i really enjoyed the process so basically it's um it's a collection of of songs that i've been associated with obviously dire straits um there's a couple of villain tunes um tina turner um uh, the Bee Gees, um, there's a Rod Stewart record. Um, so, yeah, so basically, and, and it's solo piano, and um, I recorded it at, at Real World Studios, which is Peter Gabriel's magnificent studios in Wiltshire. And um, it comes out in September, the 24th of September, and, so, and we've released three tracks from it uh, one track a month. Third one is, at the moment is um, is going home, the local hero theme. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is going to be, I think, is going to be one of my compositions called the North. Okay. And uh, and the album comes out in September the twenty fourth. Well, fantastic! What I 
So I had an opportunity to listen to, I think there's three songs available at the moment, and yes. just really a, a, a fascinating take on it, and really, I think, gets a chance to showcase. I think, you know, sometimes keyboards, guitars, all that stuff are really layered, and, and you know, there's vocals and melodies and drums. There's You know, it's, sometimes it's hard to pick some of the, the brilliance of, of a certain instrument out of certain songs, so it's really nice to have this kind of raw, stripped-down you know, single point to focus on. A really, really fantastic. Looking very much forward to hearing the rest of the record, Alan. Um, cool. I want to thank you for your time today. Again, you're going to be coming to uh, Jurgles in Warrendale outside of Pittsburgh on the 31st to the Dire Straits Legacy Show. It should be a fantastic night. And, you know, a long time since a lot of people have heard a lot of these songs live. So it's, it's, I think it should be a great reason to come out. The lineup of the band, as we talked about, incredible. Um, you know, the resumes of any one of these musicians is just outstanding, uh, yours notwithstanding. So I uh, look very much forward to it, Alan. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to playing in Pittsburgh. All right, again, a big thank you to Alan Clark. Dire Straits Legacy will be at Jurgles. 31st of August, doing a show celebrating the band's musical history. Um, it was really enjoyable to go back and have, a, have a, I guess, an excuse, maybe to say, to listen to a lot of the great music that Dire Straits made in getting ready to talk to Alan. Um, Brothers in Arms, I think, was, for many people of my generation, a song that was part of the fabric of our lives. I mean, Walk of Life, you know, Money for Nothing was everywhere. Um, so far away uh, it has to be the song that I really sadly forgot how awesome it was so uh, I invite you go to Spotify, go to YouTube, go to your cassette collection, pull up Brothers in Arms give that a listen, just amazing uh, also Jurgles 21st which is Saturday night two comedians from the show Cobra Kai we have Brett Ernst and Dana Dute uh, they play Cousin Louie and Anoush uh, respectively on the show Cobra Kai, which um, it's kind of hard to ignore. It's a show that uh, I remember when I saw that it was coming out on YouTube. I was like, oh, that's a little interesting. It was a great movie. Everybody loved The Karate Kid um, back in the 80s. But a show on YouTube, what's that about? Um, and we, we talk a little bit about that in the interview uh, that made the jump to Netflix and then, frankly, exploded in popularity. It's, it's become one of those things where you're starting to see you know, a ton of merchandising on the show, and there's a reason. It's a really cool show, uh, and and two great comedians who have had a, a have had work in film and television prior to the show. Uh, they're going to be coming into Pittsburgh. It is a comedy show for those interested in the show, as we t- we'll talk about it that in the interview. But they're full on sets. I mean, this isn't just a show about Cobra Kai. Uh, you're going to get uh, two fantastic comedians, and also two fellow podcast hosts, Dan. Uh, hosts a show called Green Eggs and Dan. It's a podcast, and as he mentions in the interview, he's getting a show on the Food Network. I mean, that's pretty damn cool. And uh, Brett and his brother, Keith, are hosts of a uh, Dallas Cowboys podcast called uh, the Jersey Boys Podcast, which is uh, ironically about Dallas Cowboys football. So um, two guys are really extremely busy, uh, but it ought to be a fantastic show. So without further ado, let's talk to Dan and Brett. 
Welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Dana, Dude, Brett Ernst uh, from Cobra Kai. How are you guys doing today? Uh, we're doing great, well. man. Thanks, Thanks for having us. My pleasure. This is a, a got to be a kind of a fun thing for you guys to do. I know both of you have been stand doing stand up for a long time. Um, obviously, the overnight four year road to success of Cobra Kai, notwithstanding, um, but it's it's great. You guys are able to get out there on the road this has to be uh wonderful after the last year and a half of hell people have endured to get out and make people laugh um question for either one of you i mean you guys have been doing stand-up a long time do audiences feel different post-pandemic well i don't even want to say post-pandemic because we're still knee-deep in it but do people seem a little more yeah relieved to get out and, and laugh for a few hours and kind of take some of the stress of you know, the last two years off of their chest. Do you notice a difference in the audiences? Uh, Dan? Yeah, I will say for sure I'm sensing, like, a lot more gratitude from the audiences, like a lot more release from them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you could tell that they've been cooped up for the last year. And, you know, I'd say the first week back to stand-up, the... Uh, the applause when you were just coming on stage was just like lasted so long because they were just so stoked to be back out and and to be you know to I think I think the pandemic made people appreciate live entertainment way more than they ever did so yeah I'm, I for sure sense it yeah I, no. I, I did however I, I do I do sense that when Brett goes on stage though they <laughs> they, they just kind of they don't make any noise they don't clap they don't, they don't <laughs> sucks do the air so out of the room maybe well, it's just I, me maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just me <laughs> now I was gonna say, um, they in the beginning though, they, I found them to be very chatty. I guess because they haven't been out around people in a yeah. while. But uh, <laughs> you know, they they was kind of like the uh, they were missing the etiquettes in the beginning. But now they, uh, I think I think they're they're back to at least being you know the norm of being around people. Yeah, and I think in, in a lot of ways we we talk to a lot of musicians and in with rock. It's such a release, you know, it's escape from your nine to five or whatever you do for a living. It's escape from worrying about masks and vaccines and stuff. And, you know, seeing some bands since, you know, things have kind of opened back up, you're seeing way more people there than you'd anticipate. You'd walk into a venue and think like we might have 5,000 people and there'll be 10,000 people. You know, I think people are just itching to get out. So fantastic. Um, you guys are able to get out on the road. Did Were you guys... Uh, aware of each other professionally before Cobra Kai? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I had heard of Dan um, around town. We had never met, though, until we actually met on set. But, um, yeah, I, I had heard of him. Absolutely. Yeah, I heard about Brett, too. Brett is, like, he's a huge uh, comic, especially... Uh, where I live in LA, you know, his name carries a lot of weight. So when I was, when we were working together, I was very, I was stoked because I feel like I know most comedians, but for some reason he and I never had met. Mm-hmm. And comedians, we're like in, we're like in a fraternity, right? So it's like we just get along way better than, than civilians, as Brett likes to say. Sure. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we bond, we bonded right away because we're the only comics on, on Cobra Kai. Um, and uh, we became fast friends, and we started performing together, and people really loved it because, you know, they our characters on 
our characters in real life are very similar to our characters on the show. Um, and so I think people were really excited about it because, and again, some of the crowd doesn't even know that we're comics. Right. So they come to this show expecting like some sort of weird meet and greet. Yeah. And they get like a serious comedy show. And uh, it's always really fun. Like they're, it, It's always fun to shock people with a good comedy show. Yeah. Now you guys do each kind of do a set and then you, you do kind of a... a I don't know what you want to call that at the end. It's almost like a, a throwdown at each other. Is that when you guys kind of go at each other? Is that I don't want to say scripted. I don't want to give away the secrets. But like, do either of you say something where, or is the other person said something? And you said, "Damn, it kind of cut a little close to the bone." There is it. Have you had that experience? Well, you're gonna with, with each other. Yeah, I mean, if is uh, no, Dan, I mean, no, no, we, he's not. There's nothing Dan can say that can affect me. Although uh, the other way around, Dan to be a little bit more sensitive. <laughs> but uh, I am definitely a little no. more sensitive. We've had, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, we we kind of wanted to, we kind of know where we're going, but then there's yeah. always something new. And uh, you know, Dan Dan tends to um, have this uh, uncanny ability to point out people's flaws right away or when mm-hmm. something's a mistake. <laughs> So you know we we do have fun, man. It's not it's not always the same. We try to. I think we've only made no. We haven't had any Q and A go the same way, not even close. Yeah. But we try to it's tell actually, a couple of the same stories. Yeah, it's become kind of my favorite part of the show because we weren't initially going to even do that, and uh, at one show we were like, why don't we just do a little Q and A? And the Q and A quickly devol- devolved into just us talking smack to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. It's funny. There were a couple of moments where afterwards, like you said, does it cut too close to the bone? Where afterwards I'd be like, "Hey, man, maybe maybe uh, pull back on that on what you said, <laughs> you know, in the second part, or maybe you know, like that that was kind of mean when you said that, uh, you know, that thing about my mother." Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we we we've gauged it. We 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 finally dialed it in. I think where we know what our our third rails are, and we and we kind of. You know, but we'll still we'll still really, hit them once in a while. I, I don't really have a third rail. Yeah. Oh, I'll find I, it. I will find. <laughs> it. Oh yeah. By the end I'm, of this, I'm one of those guys who are like whatever. So the, your your goal is to make Brett you cry know? by the end of the tour at some point. I've tried. Oh no, well he's done that already, but that that's not by his words. Did um, <laughs> the question for either of you? I mean, you guys have obviously <laughs> Cobra Kai um, started out with YouTube kind of an odd platform quite honestly and then really seem to enjoy a, a huge turnaround and success with Netflix um, when, when you're talking to your family members I'm sure you know both of you when you said I want to be a comedian and an actor parents relatives are kind of like is he going to get a real job I mean are you able to kind of go back now or, or do some of your older relatives still not know what the hell you do because it's not on ABC for example I, have I mean, never... my 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 parents have no idea what I do because they're immigrants and they don't really watch yeah. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, I don't and know. they're not I mean, and they're not proud of you, Dan. And they're yeah. not proud of you. And they're not proud of me. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I, I feel like I'm done trying to please my parents. I think I went through that <laughs> stage in my career. Um, I was telling Brett the funny. I'm. Uh, 
this is this is not me plugging something else, but it, it, in a roundabout way is. But I, I'm going to have my own show on the Food Network, which has been like a lifelong dream of mine. And when I called my mom to tell her that I'm going to have my own show on the Food Network, she goes, "Oh wow, that's so cute." <laughs> that was like, that, yeah, that's <laughs> I was like it's cute. What's cute? Yeah, I mean, you're up there with uh, Guy Ferrari at that point. Um, yeah, I mean that's my 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 mom. My mom was uh, it, she gets excited over everything, so I, I've never ever had that. My mom was just happy that you know I ended up doing something positive with my life. So yeah, yeah, I never yeah. had that. If if you if someone said you know? to you right now, Dan, you know, you had to choose between film, TV, or stand up. Is there one that you prefer? Um, you know, I, I think we get this question a lot and I feel like it's hard to choose. They're all very different in their own little way. You know, they all have their pluses and minuses. Like it's fun to be a part of a TV show cause you're a part of an ensemble mm-hmm. and our, our lives are very solitary as standups, right? So we're always just, everything depends on us and we're doing our own thing. So it's nice to have other people help with the heavy lifting. But on the other side, standup is so great because of, that because you have all the control and you can kind of say whatever you want and i feel like the rebelliousness in us thrives off of that because we can't we're not being told what to do you know what i mean so one kind of feeds into the other and i you know i think right now this is an ideal situation because we're acting on a show that we actually love right and the show is actually really popular and now people are coming out to our stand-up shows uh way more than they used to so it's it's great yeah for me at least i know brett brett was a touring comic you know doing a lot more touring than I was. So, but for me, it's uh, it's very fun to be a part of this ride. Do you think? Um, I mean, the success of the show. I mean, when you when you guys, you know, went in for casting, your agent maybe or however you got involved with the casting, was it something you were somewhat hesitant about because of the fact one that it was, you know, a, a bit of a legendary kind of film series, and kind of, but you don't think what? of this movies necessarily as funny. And, and then you were going in as a comedian into that show. Did you did you kind of feel that you were going to fit in the role, or is it something you had to kind of work your personality into? Um, mine is it's just no. I, I I walked in. I mean, I'm playing a guy from New Jersey, so it wasn't really. Uh, yeah, you're you're there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to to be a part of, um, you know, I, I there was no hesitation. Like I was excited. From the get-go, the only thing I'd say in the beginning, I was a little confused because I was like, is this on YouTube? And then as I was reading it, I'm like, wait, this can't be the real guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then find out that, that, uh, that you know, that's what YouTube wanted to start their version of Netflix. Like, that was going to be their flagship right. show, if that made sense. So it, there was no real, you know, I was just ready to go. Yeah, it was certainly, you know... Uh, and also, I feel like... Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was just going to say, also, we knew the creators were comedy guys. You know, they created Hotsup Time Machine and Harold and Kumar. And so, um, that's kind of why it's fun, because in a way, Brett and I are the comic relief in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's... that's I, I, I kind of like being the comedic roles in a dramatic show and since we just got emmy nominated for best comedy 
um, you know, basically, Brett and I are the only, you know, we're the funny people in the field. So the basically, fun- Brett and I, in essence, Brett and I got nominated for the Emmy. It, it, obviously, that is a complete, uh, obvious direct line to that. Um, well, that's yeah. that's a awesome. That's that's did did it surprise you how the show really kind of moved into almost a pop culture? You know, you're in the same space almost when people think of The Office and, and you know Harry Potter and things like that. I mean, it really is is a brand kind of exploded. You know, you see T-shirts and things like that. Um, did did any of that surprise you? I mean, obviously. You know, it was a bit of a slow burn with YouTube, but, it, you know, once you hit Netflix, it was, you know, you're firing on all cylinders. But did this success surprise you? Well, we always knew how good the show was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, yeah, you never know. You never know if something's going to get canceled right away. I mean, mm-hmm. there's been plenty of great shows that didn't make it, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um, and in the beginning online, like, you know, you get all the fanboys that started hating on it before they even saw it. But once they saw it, I, I read an article, well, you know, a reviewer said it's the only thing the Internet agrees on about how great the show is. But not a lot of people knew about it because it was on that YouTube platform. Right. And then, uh, so we always, I always knew how good the show was. I didn't, you just can never gauge if people are going to take to it. But then the way people are taking to it is it's it's beyond my expectations. You know what I mean? So the answer is yes and no to both to, to that question, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. Well, I I want to thank you guys. Um, well, actually, one further question: You both got into podcasting. Was that somewhat of a you know how how did the you know you both are obviously in very different arenas of podcasting? Dan, you've got a Green Eggs and Dan your food show and. Brett, you're obviously doing a podcast about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, how did that kind of come into play? <laughs> well, the podcast medium was pretty much started by comics, right? Mm-hmm. So comedians, have, we, you know, there's those th- the main three. Um, so it's, it's always been in our wheelhouse. I just, I just love, you know, the Cowboys. So that's why I did it, but... Dan's, Dan's, I mean, when I tell you this guy knows everything about food, it's crazy. It's actually a little <laughs> weird. It is a little weird. Um, well, that's the cool thing about podcasts is that you can find your niche and, yeah. you know, people will seek at, seek that out. So for me, it's food and comedy, and for Brett, it's sports and comedy. So I think uh, we just kind of found our lane, and um, I don't know. I always feel like when, when there's an authenticity to something, people can sense it. And uh, and they'll gravitate towards that. And it's like there's nothing that I like more than food. And yeah. you know, there's nothing Brett likes more than the Cowboys. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like people gravitate towards that. Uh, it's just like a fun little side thing, almost that 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 be- that becomes sort of a main thing. You know? Yeah, it is it, funny. Well, um, I'm going to take them to Permani Brothers too when we get out there. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's probably yeah. maybe not a. Uh, you know, I will say you're, you're going to get a great meal. Uh, it may not be, you know, as high brow as, you know, some of the places you might be used to eating. Uh, but it's certainly a, a, a great meal. Uh, there's plenty of great, you know, ethnically inspired food in the Pittsburgh area, which I'm sure many cities are like. But I think you'll enjoy it uh, quite a bit. So, guys, I want to thank you so much again. You're in town on the 21st Jurgles, uh, the comedians of Cobra Kai. Thanks, guys. Uh, you're Thank welcome, you. Buddy. Thank you.
All right, again, on the 21st, Jurgles, Dana Dute, Brett Ernst of Cobra Kai doing a comedy show, doing a Q&A, doing a bit of a, <laughs> a comedic battle at the end of the show. Ought to be a really fun time. Uh, even if you're not a fan of the show, I have to admit, uh, in, in getting ready for the conversation, it was fun to go on YouTube, Spotify, and listen to these guys work. Uh, two really funny guys. So ought to be an awesome show and a, and a good time on a Saturday night. Um, turning our attention now, we have joining us, as I mentioned at the top of the show, somewhat of an annual guest at, here at Iron City Rocks, Damian Darlington of Brit Floyd who is uh, also doing a show in Pittsburgh on the 15th. Uh, that's coming up very quickly at Stage AE. Um, I know we've seen them, uh, Britt Floyd, uh, do a lot of shows at the Benetton. They've done, I think this is their second show, if memory serves me correct, at Stage AE. Uh, they were here really right before the pandemic kind of broke. I had an opportunity to see them in March of 2020 um, and talk to Damien about the show and, and go out and check out the show it was an amazing amazing performance and it was only if i'm not mistaken we pittsburgh is usually at the very beginning or very close to the beginning of their tours and as soon as it started it was over um they basically had to shut it down it couldn't have been much more than a week after they were in pittsburgh so opportunity to speak about that what's the show going to look like for 2021 um, and I'll say this, Pittsburgh loves Brit Floyd. Um, a lot of times when they come into town, they do two nights at the Benham or a full-on outdoor show at Stage AE, which draws, you know, the capacity is, is enormous there for a band, uh, you know, rivaling the two nights at the Benham. So it's a obviously an incredibly popular show, and it's an incredibly popular show for a reason. Um, you know, I think it's easy to paint tribute bands with a broad brush but I think when you look at um, the production the attention to detail the musicianship of this um, there's a reason why Brit Floyd is playing the size venues as many national recording artists are playing they're that good at what they do so without further ado we're going to talk to Damien Darlington and Brit Floyd gentlemen my pleasure to welcome back to iron city rocks we have on the line damien darlington of brit floyd how you doing damien i'm doing very well thank you great great uh the last time we spoke the world was was a very different place you were in pittsburgh uh in march early march of, of 2020 we got a chance to see one of the very few number of shows you did i think it was only maybe three or four before you had to wrap up the 2020 touring schedule um you brought the show for 
for two amazing nights in Pittsburgh. Uh, you're coming back Sunday night, the 15th, to do the outdoor um, under the stars, hopefully, <laughs> Sunday night. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like, you know, with with an organization such as yours, which is obviously making, you know, making payroll and keeping everybody um, on, on touring? You know, you're not trying to sell records, you know, so much as is, you know, a, a original recording artist. What that was like for you in 2020? I mean, were you able to retain most of the band, some of the band, for 2021? I will. Um, the, the musicians, uh, they're all the same musicians, bar one, that you would have seen, um, uh, you know, for those sh- uh, few dates we did manage to do in early 2020. There's just one of the backing vocalists mm-hmm. changed, and, and that's uh, due to her, her having had a baby. <laughs> well, that's a good reason. That's a good reason. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's fantastic. Was it from from a business perspective, board, uh, you know, from a business perspective, was that a difficult thing? I mean, are you guys kind of cash flow positive? You can kind of keep people, you know, where they need to be to hold on to them, or was it kind of getting a little tight as you know, twenty twenty one rolled it, around? It's, ob- it's obviously been difficult. I mean, it's been difficult for us. It's been difficult for for, for many, many, many mm-hmm. other people. You know, yeah. for, for a variety of reasons. You know, um, the, the band is quite an international lineup these days. You know, yes, there's, there's uh, you know myself and some of the other guys are based in the UK, but we always, we also have some US musicians mm-hmm. and there's a, an Italian musician. You know, so the band is spread about spread all over the place uh, between Europe and the United States, and and and, and therefore the, you know people have had sort of different circumstances sure. to deal with. Um, you know, everybody was. You know, they, they they love being in Brit Floyd. They love playing Pink Floyd music, and they couldn't wait for for uh, you know for us to be able to get back out on the road. Unfortunately, everybody's still been available to do so. So yeah. we're, we're very fortunate in that way. Do you have somebody kind of inside your organization that has to deal with kind of monitoring restrictions and such? Now, is that is that kind of part of what is the new normal for a touring act is to have somebody to kind of keep an eye on state laws international travel restrictions etc has it gotten but to that certainly point? you know yeah we there, there was no certainty uh, that we could get out you know get over here into the united states until a couple of weeks before that we were due to arrive here okay. you know because of the i mean as, as it still stands you know nobody from europe can just Fly across the United to the United States. Uh, right. um, we had to sort of um, apply for special permission to do so. On you know, in the, uh, and and you know, and once we're here on tour, our tour manager, you know, she's she has to sort of keep an eye on all the sort of local city to city or state to state, you know, what 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 mask wearing mandates are going on and all that sort yeah. of thing, you know. So, you know, so yeah, it, it's definitely a whole new dimension that's been added to. Uh, touring to uh, sort of complicate things in, in a big way if, if as if life for the touring manager wasn't hellacious enough you've got to throw all that um you you guys a, a year ago did echoes um in its entirety which was fantastic to see is are, are you kind of just taking the material you, you would have done on the let you had prepared really i mean because you didn't get far into that tour and doing that in 2021 or are there some new things actually quite a lot of the work goes into 
Yeah, I mean, obviously quite a lot of work goes into preparing, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a New Year's touring set list and all the production that's attached to that. And we'd only got, you know, about 10 days into the tour yeah. with it. So it, it, it wouldn't really make sense to sort of change everything up, you know, and right. not many people had had the opportunity to see that this uh, that particular set list. So, you know, it totally made sense for us to just sort of start up again with what was already in place yeah and 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 i have to say for for someone who saw it in 2020 i'm glad you're bringing it back because it was you know i I think an amazing body of work um you guys obviously put so much time and effort into you know the the video the lights the you know the musicianship the, the the intricacies of of the music uh and the attention to detail that it it's one of those things where you know, I'm sure there is a, is a good chunk of of a Pittsburgh audience who might come to see you two nights in a row uh, because they like it so much. So now to get a second chance to see this, and, and you know, this time we don't have to worry about it snowing, which is good, which is always a, a risk around the time you guys come into Pittsburgh. Um, do you enjoy? Is outside add any challenges? I know you guys have done some you know magical uh, shows at Red Rocks and, and a lot of outdoor amphitheaters and stuff do you have a preference as a musician is it more difficult dealing with humidity and things like that on stage or is it really just you're glad to be in front of an audience at this point i i, I think you know the, the latter is is obviously true you know we're just in i'd be in front of the audience again actually a longer uncertain break and when it comes to sort of comparing outdoor gigs to indoor gigs I mean, one thing you have to sort of bear in mind is how, uh, obviously there's a there's a lot of production, there's a lot of lights, videos, lasers, all that sort of thing. So you know that 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 that's uh, somewhat falls still blazing sun <laughs> shining down on you in an outdoor show. But 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 nonetheless, um, you know, we, it, it's still thoroughly. In, uh, it's lots of fun. It's thor- there's lots and lots of enjoyment. We're doing an outdoor gig. You know, we, we've already done Red Rock so far. That was the first gig back, so that's a huge outdoor gig yeah. that we did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you're not screwing around when you play Red Rocks. I mean, that's a, you know, kind of like uh, the Madison Square Gardens of, of, you know, when you think of iconic venues in the United States. You know, you might add the O2 Arena or maybe. Um, you know some of the, the famous Wembley Stadium is for you know some of the most famous gig gigs you could do. So it's a it's a heck of a way to start back with an outdoor show. Um, so as as far as um, this tour, I see you're running right now. You've got dates through September in the United States. Do you anticipate then 2022 or, it, or maybe it's too soon to even think about 2022? But I know you guys usually have kind of a consistent tour itinerary. Um, do you anticipate being back on a more normal schedule in 2022, or do you just kind of take a wait and see on that? Well, you know, inevitably, we, to a certain extent, we have to sort of wait and see. You know, it's still a little bit uncertain what's going to be happening. Uh, you know, in the next six months or so, but but we're we're hoping and planning to to be just sort of getting back to our usual touring mm-hmm. schedule, which would which would you know, mean that what hopefully we'll be back in Pittsburgh again, say early next March. You know, to, yeah. the, to do the Benetton again. You know, so yeah. think crossed that that will happen. It's, it's kind of all we can uh, sort of say at the moment. Yeah, and this this will actually be if I, if memory serves me, your second time at Blank Stage AE. I know 
the first time was was magical. And I think, you know, having a chance to see, although similar production in an outdoor setting has got to feel very different for the audience, the music that, you know, it should be nice summer-like weather here in the United States. So it would be an awesome evening for everyone. Folks, uh, again, the show's the 15th of August, stage AE. You can get tickets at uh, Promo West North Shore uh, or stageae.com. And, and Damon, I want to thank you so much. We will see you in just a few short days. Uh, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. Thanks very much. It's been great talking to you. All right, that about wraps up this jumbo episode of Iron City Rock. So thank you to Damien Darlington. Again, Britt Floyd will be in Pittsburgh on the 15th. Dana Dute, Brett Ernst of Cobra Kai will be in Warrendale, technically, on the 21st of August uh, for their stand-up comedy show. And also Alan Clark will be at Jurgles in Warrendale with the Dire Straits Legacy on the 31st of August. So, um... You know, I think as you watch the news, um, don't want to get political by any means here, but I think my advice would be enjoy this while you can. We all know what it's like to have this, you know, the music, the events, the concerts, the comedians, um, the shows that we love taken away. You know, we've talked to over the last year and a half a lot of musicians that have had their livelihood taken away because of this. Um you know, things are, you know, you don't have to listen to the news very long to realize that things are a little rocky right now. We're able to do this. These events are on, you know, invite you to get out and enjoy this while we can. And, and maybe, you know, this gets better and, and we can continue to enjoy this. And that's fantastic. Uh, you know, maybe things ease up and, and society gets more back to normal. Great. But if not, you have the opportunity to see these now. I invite you to check check them out, take advantage of it. Um, I would have never suspected when I walked into the Benetton Center to see Britt Floyd in 2020 that it would be the last show I'd see for a year and a half. I have to say it was an incredibly high note to go out on, so I was glad to have that opportunity. But um, enjoy it while you can. Support the people, the businesses that are doing this. Um, and, uh, and get out there and have some fun. So I want to thank you for listening. Also invite you to check out pghcitypaper.com. Iron City Rocks is up for best local podcast in Pittsburgh uh, under the people and places category um, with nine other fantastic podcasts. Um, really no bad choices in there in, in, in our opinion, but uh, we would deeply appreciate your vote. Um, if you're if you're a fan of rock, blues, metal, comedy, um, we are really probably the only choice in that genre. There there are a few other music related podcasts of different genres, but um, really would appreciate uh, the vote. Um, kind of a showing that you know Pittsburgh supports uh, music. Doesn't cost you a penny. We're not asking for donations. There's no membership. Um, don't want to have to go that route and, and develop Patreon and, and things like that. Um, we enjoy what we do. We enjoy talking to the people we talk to, promoting the events we promote, um, and enjoy making the content we do. So just uh, ask you, uh, you know, for a few minutes of your time to consider voting to help show us, the promoters, the artists, that, you know, we are a recognized entity in the city, so we'd appreciate your support. Uh, until next time, you can reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We're on ironcityrocks.com. All of the social medias are forward slash ironcityrocks. Appreciate a follow, a like, a share. 
uh, is, is always a huge help. And until next time, we want to thank you for listening.